1972, a plane carrying an Uruguayan rugby team and their families crashed into the Andes Mountains, leaving the survivors stranded in one of the harshest and most unforgiving environments on Earth. Today, we will be exploring their harrowing battle for survival as they fought against all odds to stay alive and find their way back to civilization. This is one of the most spine-chilling tales of survival in modern history. This is the story of the Andes plane crash survivors. October 13, 1972, an Uruguayan Air Force Fairchild FH-22-70 aircraft carrying 45 passengers, including a rugby team and their families, crashed into the Andes Mountains. The group was en route from Montevideo, Uruguay, to Santiago, Chile, for a rugby match. The plane crash killed 12 people on impact, and another five died soon after. The remaining 24 passengers were left stranded in the freezing mountains with no food, shelter, or even hope of a rescue. The rugby team was an old Christians club from Stella Maris College in Montevideo, Uruguay. They're a tight-knit group of friends who loved the game and played it with passion. The team had been invited to play a friendly match against the Old Boys Club in Santiago, Chile. They were excited about the upcoming match and were looking forward to representing their country. The group included Nando Parado, Roberto Canessa, Eduardo Strach, Rodolfo Strach, Daniel Fernandez, Roberto Francois, Roy Harley, Gustavo Zerbino, Carlos Pérez, and many others. The flight was uneventful until it encountered a snowstorm over the Andes Mountains. The pilot attempted to navigate the storm, but was unsuccessful. The plane crashed into the mountain, killing the 12 passengers we discussed earlier. The cause of the crash was attributed to a combination of human error and mechanical failure. The pilots made a crucial error in their navigation and failed to account for the strong winds that were present in the Andes Mountains at the time. They also failed to communicate effectively with the air traffic controllers, which resulted in them not receiving important weather updates. Additionally, there was something wrong with the plane's altimeter, which was malfunctioning and providing inaccurate readings. This made it difficult for the pilots to navigate through the mountainous terrain 
and they were unable to avoid the storm that led to this crash. The crash occurred at an altitude of over 12,000 feet, which meant that the survivors were exposed to the harsh mountain environments and high altitude sickness. The crash also caused severe injuries to many of the passengers, making it difficult for them to move and to search for help. The survivors were left stranded in the mountains with no food, no water, or even means of communication. They were scattered across the mountain range with some trapped in the wreckage of the plane and others wandering around in search of help. The survivors quickly realized they were facing an uphill battle for survival. They had no warm clothing and no shelter and no way to even just signal for help. The temperature in the mountains dropped to as low as minus 30 degrees Celsius at night. And they were surrounded by snow and ice. Survivors were in a race against time to find food and shelter before they succumbed to the extreme cold and altitude sickness. The survivors formed a tight-knit community, sharing their hopes, fears, and dreams with each other. They tried to keep their spirits up by singing songs, telling stories, and playing games. But the reality of their situation soon set in. They tried to signal for help by lighting a flare from the wreckage, but it was unsuccessful. The group also tried to build a makeshift radio transmitter, but it was too complicated and they didn't have the technical expertise to even make it work. The survivors had no choice but to rely on each other for survival. They scoured the wreckage of the plane for anything that could be used as shelter or as a source of even just heat. But they found a few blankets, a few cans of sardines, and some bottles of wine. But it was nowhere near enough to sustain them. The survivors were forced to make tough decisions to stay alive. They had to melt snow for drinking water and forage for food in the harsh mountain terrain. They ate whatever they could find, including leather from the plane seats and insulation from the cockpit. But their food supply soon ran out. They were faced with the difficult decision of whether or not to resort to cannibalism. The survivor's decision to consume flesh was the result of their desperate situation. They knew it went against everything that they believed in, but it was the only option that they had left. They decided to do whatever it took to stay alive, even if it meant breaking societal taboos and cultural stigmas. The survivors knew that they had to keep the secret of their decision to themselves. They didn't want to be judged or condemned by society for what they had done. But as the days turned into weeks and the weight of their secret became too much to bear, 
They had to confide in each other, to share their fears and doubts about what they had done. Despite the bleakness of their situation, the survivors never gave up hope. They held on to the belief that they would be rescued. That they would one day reunite with their families and loved ones. And it was this hope that kept them going through those darkest of times. However, as time passed, the survivors' hopes began to fade. They had no idea if anyone was even looking for them, and their food and water supplies were running dangerously low. Some of their survivors succumbed to their injuries and illnesses, and their bodies were buried in the snow. But despite the odds stacked against all of them, two of the survivors, Nando Parado and Robert Canessa, refused to give up hope. They believed that there was still a chance that they could find help. And they were determined to make a risky attempt to find it. The decision to consume flesh was the turning point for these survivors. It was a decision that went against everything that they believed in, but it was the only option that they had left. They knew that their lives were at stake and they had to do whatever it took to survive. The survivors had to overcome their own cultural and religious taboos to consume human flesh. They struggled with feelings of guilt and shame and disgust, but they also recognized that it was a matter of survival and they had to put their own feelings aside, at least to stay alive. The survivors knew that they had to keep this decision to themselves. They didn't want to be judged or condemned by society for what they had done, but they also knew that their families would be horrified by their actions. And they didn't want to cause them any more pain than they were already going through. This decision to consume flesh was a deeply personal one for each survivor. They had to grapple with the moral implications of their actions and the psychological impact it had on them. They had to confront the reality of what they had done and live with the consequences for the rest of their lives. This decision was a controversial one and it caused a lot of controversy and debate in the media. Some people saw it as a heroic act of survival while others saw it as a horrific act of barbarism. These survivors struggled with the stigma attached to cannibalism and the judgment that society had put on them after. In total, the survivors were trapped in the mountains for over two months with no sign of rescue. They suffered from extreme cold, malnutrition, and dehydration some of the survivors succumbed to the injuries and illnesses, but despite the bleakness, Nando Parado and Roberto Canessa refused to give up hope. They believed that there was still a chance that they could find help, and they were determined to make a risky attempt to find it. Nando and Roberto hiked through the treacherous mountains, facing countless obstacles along the way, 
They survived on a handful of chocolate and a few sips of water each day. They faced exhaustion, dehydration, and extreme cold, but they still never lost hope. On the 10th day of their journey, Nando and Roberto stumbled upon Chilean Shepherd, who alerted the authorities. Within hours, a rescue mission was launched and the survivors were finally rescued. This rescue mission was an incredible feat of human ingenuity and courage. The rescue teams faced incredible challenges, including the extreme weather conditions, the treacherous terrain, and high altitudes. But they never gave up and eventually managed to rescue all the remaining survivors. The survivors were then flown to a hospital in Santiago, where they were treated for their injuries and illnesses. The world was stunned by their story of survival, and they became instant celebrities. Their story was turned into a best-selling book, Alive, and later, a movie of the same name. Behind the headlines and the media attention, the survivors faced a new set of challenges. They had to come to terms with everything they had done to survive, and they had to rebuild their lives after the trauma of the crash. Some of their survivors struggled with survivor's guilt, depression, and anxiety. They had to deal with the stigma attached to the cannibalism, and despite all these challenges, the survivors remained united. They continued to support each other and draw strength from the bonds that they had formed during this ordeal. Despite all these challenges, many of the survivors went on to achieve great success in their personal and professional lives. Nendo Prado, one of the survivors, became a motivational speaker and author, inspiring millions with his message of hope and resilience. He also climbed the Inconcagua the highest peak in the Americas, and raised funds for a children's hospital in Uruguay. Roberto Canessa, another survivor, became a pediatric cardiologist, saving countless lives through his medical work. He also served as a member of parliament in Uruguay and played a key role in the country's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Eduardo Strach, another survivor, became an architect and urban planner designing projects for Uruguay, Argentina, and Spain. He also wrote several books about the Andes plane crash and his experiences as a survivor. Carlos Piez, another survivor, became a successful businessman and entrepreneur, founding several companies in Uruguay and the United States. He also wrote a book about the Andes plane crash titled Miracle in the Andes, and he also served as a motivational speaker the survivors remained close to each other even after the crash. And in 2006, they reunited in the Andes Mountains to mark the 30th anniversary of the crash and to pay tribute to those lost their lives. The Andes plane crash survivor story is a testament to the power of human endurance, resilience, and hope. It's a story of Ordinary people who overcame incredible odds to survive and went on to achieve extraordinary things. 
Their legacy will live on as an inspiration to future generations, reminding us that we can overcome even the most impossible challenges if we never give up. This story has so much power and it really hones in on how tragedy can really bring people together and how despite what you go through as a human being, there's always a way to conquer it. The story has so much loss and it's important to think about those who were lost when you think about this story, but also think about the power of those who survived and what they went on to do with their lives afterwards. I want to thank everyone for tuning in today and for joining us in stepping into the Eerie. We hope that you enjoyed this story of the Andes plane crash survivors and were inspired by their incredible tale of survival. Join us next time for a story about the Wendigo, a North American cryptid that dates back to the indigenous tribes of the Americas. If you have a chance, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on a podcast platform, please make sure to hit that follow button. And on YouTube, make sure to hit that bell button. We will have one episode every week. We hope you are enjoying this new version of Eerie. And we hope we can take you to darker, more eerie places. My name is Noah Croft. And again, thank you for stepping into the area with us. Please make sure to follow us on our socials at EriePod. And if you have any incredible stories that you want to share for our next Erie Tales, please make sure to send them to info at the We will see you next week, everyone.